So welcome to the first um, edition of the Ab Astra podcast. Um, we welcome today Professor Charles Burnett, which is one of the leading experts on the history of astrology. Um, he is a professor at the History of Islamic Influences in Europe at the Warburg Institute um, for the, from the University of London. And he has a very, very long curriculum, academic <laughs> curriculum, which is hard to summarize here. He, <laughs> yes, he has edited um, several works um, and he has been especially someone who has translated a lot of works from Latin, Arabic, especially Latin and Arabic, I think so, Professor. And uh, the latest of which is this monumental work <laughs> of Abu Mashar in two yes. very small thin small volumes thin uh, as, as we can see um, which brings to um, to an academic uh, finally an academic edition new and revised academic edition of the great introduction to astrology by Abu Mashar which uh, was um, and professor you can correct me if I'm wrong one of the maiden sources for astrological practice throughout the Middle Ages and then early modern period. Uh, so it's a, um, a keystone uh, work in the history of uh, astrological practices. This edition is, um, includes all the Arabic uh, words so, and uh, text. So it's kind of bilingual edition. I don't know if, if yeah. you can see it. <laughs> yes, it can. Yeah. Yes. So we have the source and then we have the commented translations very good yes and this was a work um honoring um david pingree uh and also it was also done with the late kenji Abiyamoto, which worked in several editions of this sort with professor charles burnett so professor welcome to our first um first recording of the podcast um let me say i'm very happy to have professor charles burnett here <laughs> because he was also the supervisor of my PhD at the Warburg, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he is also one of the supervisors yeah. of your PhD. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, shall we well, welcome, Professor, if you want to. <laughs> I'm very happy to be invited, and especially to be your first guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it has to be, uh, because you were the first person that we thought when we thought about this. So it really had to be you. <laughs> So uh, we would like to ask you, um, first of all, um, because of your long experience in this field, your thoughts on the study on the history of astrology in academic level, if um, what you think about the changes in this in this period, um, do you have anything to? Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah, well, in fact, one can say so much about this. Uh, because I think within, maybe within my lifetime even, um, astrology has become um, much more acceptable as a research sub as a subject. Um, and there are many reasons for this. Um, um, the importance of astrology within the Middle Ages is part of um, a general scheme of education. Um, 
mathematical science, the practical science of um, astronomy being the theoretical science, um, its relations to other subjects like medicine, um, like society in general, um, its importance as an experimental science too, because when you're looking at the history of science, um, you want to see how people discover things um, and uh, through observation. And of course, astrology, uh, requires observation not only of the uh, movement of the stars and the planets um, but um, of the situation in the heavens at every moment when you are actually casting horoscopes and so on. So um, it's regarded, it has become regarded as being a very important subject um, in the history of um, well, world culture, um, and I will say world culture because it's not only um, studied within Europe and America, um, but maybe it has been studied ev even for longer in countries of the Orient, in India, for example, where there's been such an important living tradition of astrology um, in China and uh, and in Japan. And you mentioned just now um, that my work, and I'm very grateful for the fact that my work has been done in collaboration with a Japanese scholar, Keiji Yamamoto, and his um, teacher, someone called uh, Michio Yano, um, and astrology within even Japanese um, academic uh, university culture is uh, uh, very much respected as a science. Um, and so I think um, um, astrology has really um, come to uh, grown up as it were and become an academic study in its own right. Um, and this involves and um, we can see this evolution, as it were, uh, a greater, um, uh, a progressively greater attention um, to the mathematical details um, of the subject. Um, one's got to be somewhat of a mathematician, an astronomer, in order to understand how astrology was uh, understood in earlier periods. Um, it involves um, a true understanding um, of the attitude um, towards astrology, what um, position astrology has not only in society but within one's own conception or perception of the universe. Um, and it involves um, a real um, a progressive understanding um, of all the rules um, of the or the techniques of astrology, because astrology, um, like medicine and other practical sciences, was a science that you learnt. Um, it took a long time to actually become a master of the science. There were plenty of textbooks which told you exactly how to. Um, perform um, how to become a professional within the science and the research that has developed over the last um, decades has concentrated more and more um, on um, the subtleties on the um, high level intellectual content indeed um, of the subject uh, as well as its position within society at large. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, one of the things that uh, when we talk as historians, we, uh, we mention astrology as one of the sciences, and this is probably uh, misunderstood by people who are not historians, 
because they think when they think of science, they think of a laboratory. Uh, so maybe we could address this misunderstanding that is very um, often uh, happening when us historians, we talk to non-historians. Well, yeah, I mean, there are many ways of answering that. Uh, first of all, I mean, the simplest way um, uh, is, you know, you study a subject because it's there. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like Mount Everest is there, there you, you've got to climb it. Um, but, um, but there is a more well, serious way, serious reason for studying. Um, and uh, you were mentioning the fact that people might criticize astrology for not being scientific. Um, but there's so much about science um, which is shared by astrology. I, I've already mentioned observation. I've mentioned um, a systematic um, set of instructions. Um, well, a system, a world system, as it were, which is described by astrology. Um, you might say that um, um, it's not it's not a science in the sense um, that um, its results are subject to controlled experiments. Um, but the idea of um, of checking the validity of a science by controlled experiments is really quite recent anyway, you know, maybe from the 19th century. Um, and you could apply the same um, criteria to astrology as especially to medicine. Um, medicine too is based on well, not just one system, but several different systems. Um, but each of those systems um, is scientific, not in the sense that everything that people have um, continuously um, checked on the validity of each of the activities in medicine, but in the sense that um, that the that um, a certain um, tradition of medicine um, is coherent um, in itself um, and makes sense. I mean, we're talking about reason here as well. Um, and astrology um, is uh, an, uh, is an eminently rational science in that it's based on rules and mathematical rules as uh, at, at that. Um, so to to say that astrology should not be studied because it's not scientific um, is a little um, well, it's based on misunderstanding, I think. Yeah. Yes, I would be the last person to say it because my PhD is on astrology, <laughs> but some people still, uh, especially non-historians, mm -hmm. they, they, they get confused when we say astrology and we are studying the history of astrology. So, uh, and the other idea, and also interesting, I would like uh, your thoughts on this, uh, non-historians uh, think that uh, astrology has no history in the sense that is always the same. And uh, most people have this idea of astrology as contemporary astrology, what we now mm. know mm. in contemporary astrology. So mm. they think, what, what is the history of astrology? This is just the 12 signs and the newspapers, and that's it. Yes. So uh, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. Well, it reminds me of um, someone advocating Chinese medicine. 
I keep uh, I keep bringing up this analogy of medicine, saying it works. It's a, well, it's um, it's it's it works because it has been in existence for two thousand years. How can it be wrong? You know, um, and astrology. One might say the same thing. Um, that traditional astrology has its roots already in Mesopotamia. Developments in Greek. I mean, people tend to say that it was the Greeks who actually made astrology into a rational science, a mathematical science. Um, and this uh, Greek astrology was then spread into India, into Persia, um, um, mixing with local uh, traditions and beliefs, of course. Um, then, of course, the, both the Indian and the Persian astrology was taken over by the Arabs who brought in more texts from the Greeks, um, developed um, uh, to a very great extent by um, some very fine scholars within the Arabic world, of whom Abu Mashar of the ninth century is the, um, well, he was the most prolific and probably the most influential, um, then taken over in the West, um, in the, um, but through translations from Arabic into Latin and to a lesser extent um, from Greek into Latin of the Greek astrological classics like Ptolemy's Tetrabiblos. Um, then it continued um, without any great revolution in astrology. The traditional um, um, techniques and doctrines of astrology were developed um, but retained their validity through one might say, into the 17th century. And then, of course, um, um, astrology lost its sort of dominant place or its um, equal place with other sciences of the time, um, but continued um, to be practiced and, and believed in, one might say, um, by a certain number of people um, and has uh, experienced amongst professional astrologers this traditional astrology one can say, has um, experienced a revival. Now, um, to say that um, you know, science um, is not a terribly good science because it doesn't change um, is, um, well, it's, 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 it's questionable, to, to say the least. <laughs> um, and... Um, um, yeah, well, um, of course, people might say, well, astrology um, had to change to accommodate itself um, to um, a heliocentric universe. Um, it's amazing how little it had to change, in fact, um, because even you know, the Earth and uh, well, all the planets around the Sun um, are still um, just a very small part and a condensed part, as it were, within the um, universe as a whole. Um, but uh, astrology did accommodate to um, different um, well, discoveries, cosmological discoveries, um, but it remained um, well, the strength of astrology, in a way, um, remained its um, um, the um, where it was based very largely on the strength of the tradition. Um, and if you could say, well, um, this, this this is valid because it was already um, 
um, taught by Ptolemy, or these ideas go back to Hermes Trismegistus, who's even you know earlier, a holy tradition, almost one could say a fictitious tradition beyond Ptolemy, even going right right back to Abraham, who was regarded as being the first astrologer. Um, to say, to mention these people gives weight to um, the doctrines, um, to the authority of your own. Um, statements as an astrologer. Um, so tradition is really very important, um, but um, tradition which is sensitive um, to um, the environment um, at any time. Therefore, you have slight changes in astrology, whether they are, whether it is practiced within Islam, whether it is practiced within Christianity, um, and you have accommodation. And well, I, I don't want to become to, to seem to be a, a believer, as it were. But but one um, um, benefit um, of astrology is that more than most other sciences, one might say, it really is involved with the present situation, the present the society in which you're living. Um, it cares for, it wants to improve um, the situation of individuals and whole um, societies and countries um, at the present time. It's not, an, it's, it's not only um, um, uh, um, uh, anti uh, an antique, as it were, it is a living science and a science which is um, involved deeply, one might say, at a profound level, um, in the society, whichever society it is being practiced in. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. deeply, because uh, you just mentioned uh, the, 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 the topic of believing. Um, I suppose that uh, when we talk about astrology in the Middle Ages or before, uh, they were not even thinking of believing. It was like part of the way Astrology was the way they explained the world. So they, yes. I suppose they didn't even ask themselves if they believe it or not. It's just a scientific explanation of the universe and of the way people reacted. It was mm -hmm. an explanation. And they believe in it as we believe today in atoms or superstitions. Mm -hmm. It's DNA. just an explanation, mm -hmm. DNA. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, they believed in that. But of course, uh, unlike... Um, uh, theories of uh, uh, physics, of nuclear physics, of um, theories of well, mathematics, um, exact mathematics, and so on. It is always a science which has a practical <laughs> aim. Um, and so, well, I suppose you can believe believe in the doctrines or the doctrines of astrology, just as you can believe in you know, cosmological theories. But that's not adequate, really. Um, uh, the belief has got to lead to action. Um, and, um, and it is this interaction, as it were, of the human being, of the astrologer, with the universe um, around him, um, which involves belief in the other sense, as it were, of having um, trust um or um 
faith, as it were, even in the subject. Um, and it is in this respect that certain aspects of astrology can become debatable. For example, free will. I mean, are you going to say, well, the stars determine um, all your actions, everything that will happen to you in the future. Um, my job as an astrologer is simply to tell you what the stars are indicating um, and you have no um, <laughs> no way of avoiding what they're going to bring to you. Um, this idea that um, the stars can compel um, was, of course, very much um, contested and brought down astrology as such. I mean, people would say, well, the whole, the whole system is mm -hmm. wrong. It cannot be believed in um, because it infringes the basic uh, right of every human being to make choices. Mm -hmm. um, and astrologers, of course, had various ways of actually um, countering this i might they might indeed like the doctor they might say well this is the prognosis of your future but so much of astrology is also involved in how to deal with okay. things you can't avoid or how to avoid things there's a whole um branch of astrology called elections or katakic astrology which enables you to be in charge of your future Yes. You do things at the right time when the stars, who have undoubtable um, influence, when the stars are going to favour um, mm -hmm. your decision, yeah. your what you want to do. Um, and uh, I was just uh, checking, actually, um, that famous uh, quotation, which I know Helena as used, I think, for the title of her MA thesis, Sapiens Dominabitur Astris. Yes. Um, and I was quite surprised to find out, um, just looking at uh, the internet, that is wrongly translated. Oh, is it? Um, uh, well, I'm sure you, you know the right translation. Um, but um, it was stated, I mean, the first, the, the, the first, um, Thing you see um, on Google for sapiens dominabitur astris is that dominabitur is a passive, therefore it means the wise man will be dominated by the stars. They're completely wrong. I'm saying this because this is a, a phrase which was, of course, completely understood in the Middle Ages. It's at attributed to Ptolemy, though it doesn't seem that Ptolemy actually said it himself. Um, but um, what he's saying is that the wise man will dominate the stars. Oh. He will be in control. Because from a strictly grammatical point of view, dominar, dominor is what we call a deponent verb, which has an active meaning. And it takes a dative, and the astris are the dative. So, um, so the idea, um, I mean, this is, as it were, the motto that an astrologer, someone who, was, who wants to become a professional astrologer, um, would and should use, that if you really know the subject, you take many years to, to learn um, the basics of astrology, 
um, you will be able to um, um, be in control of the influences of the stars. I mean, the influences are undoubtable. I mean, any medieval, uh, early modern, pre-modern cosmology will say, you know, the celestial, the unchangeable celestial bodies affect or change within the sublunar universe. So, I mean, that's nothing to do with astrology. That's uh, that's a general fact, mm -hmm. which is basic to Aristotelian, um, um, pl pl platonic, um, um, and Gnostic. Every um, every cosmology will subscribe to this, except for Epicurus and Lucretius. But I mean, they were they just believed that everything was random in the universe, which was not really a very good idea. Anyway, so um, so there's no doubt about the influence. But if you are a wise man, if you are sapiens. Mm -hmm. um, and wise in the double sense of knowing all the facts, knowledgeable, but also having intuition, yes. um, then you will be able to um, affect changes, improve um, the situation for individual clients, but for society in general, um, through um, the rules um, through your mastery of the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one, one of the interesting things uh, about this is that um, this is this is a topic that is so embedded, as as you were telling us, in the history and and in so many cultures. And you have this um, this as astrology as a knowledge that one might possess to have a certain. Mm. Um, control of the destiny or at least have some knowledge of the destiny and, and the motion of the universe itself certain agency yeah certain the agency of the destiny mm -hmm. of the universe and it's interesting how it is um an integral part of so many cultures i think they're all cultures in one way or the other have their version of astrology um of making this correlation between higher motions and, and, and events on Earth in some sort. Although the, the version that we know as astrology is present, uh, I think, in all of the major civilizations from East to West, um, in one form or the other, with their special cultural variances. But it's there, the core, it's there. And I think that's also what makes it such an important historical uh, <laughs> object. Well, uh, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and part of what's fascinating about the subject is the attitude of people i mean how they explain it why they need it um because this idea that you are defined as it were your personality uh, your individuality um is well encapsulated let's say in the uh, in the uh, native the the the, the birth chart mm -hmm. um and everybody uh, needs some sense of his or her own identity some stability um some idea that you're not just another human being but you're a very special human being um that is encapsulated in all that material which can be extrapolated extrapolated um from the um, position 
of the heavens at the moment, either of conception, which is the true origin of life, or at birth, where you actually come into the world. Independent life, when birth. Or independent life, independent of your, your mother. Yes, yes. Um, so, astrology, again, in respect to societies as well, has been a great contributor to the stability, to the sense of identity and stability of society and the individual. Um, and as I mentioned before, we, we, it's much better that that should be the case than usually that you should be an Epicurean where you believe that everything is caused by atoms just falling randomly from the sky and hitting each other and producing something without any cause and effect, mm. just atoms bumping into each other. So that's, you know, there's no point in having any purpose in life. You might as well just enjoy, um, enjoy yourself and lead a, lead a profligate life. I mean, that's such a contrast to um, this stability and sense of um, you know, belonging. You're both an individual, but you're belonging to the whole universe in some way or other. And there's a role, a specific role a for specific role. Role. Yes, yes, yes. And still, in the middle of this, um, it might seem, might look very restrictive, but if we see even very uh, ancient astrologers, they, they allow the space for personal choice. That is uh, the difference. I was talking to Dorian Greenbaum, that we both know, and uh, Dorian was stressing the differences between determinism and fatalism, mm. and uh, the space that we have for individual choices within these two uh, different perspectives. It's yes. so interesting, <laughs> and the astrology actually allows, in yes. this sense, the space for choices, as you mentioned in inceptions, in even in the individual chart. So there's mm. this notion. And, uh, but but from what I take from your words is the social value, the social role of astrology, both collective or individual, uh, for societies, um, allowing its individual to have like a role, um, a specific personality that is represented. In yes, yes, yes. Uh, and this is uh, partly because astrology is such a colorful, um, it, it, the visual aspects are so important. I mean, the, uh, all the images of the signs of the zodiac, of the constellations, the images of the planets. We are, the whole world is full of all these wonderful creatures. Mm -hmm. um, they're symbols. I mean, you have the symbol of the lion, you have the symbol of the uh, of the Virgo, of the Virgin in Virgo and that sort of thing. But, um, but you know, it's not just mathematical. You have the um, the creativity, the um, abundance of images in astrology, um, which makes life interesting, after all. Yes. Um, <laughs> And I just wanted to throw in something else from Abu Mashar, because in the first book of his introduction to astrology, um, he spent a lot of time on this question of whether astrology is determinist or not. Um, and he comes to a conclusion based on Arist arguments that he's taken from Aristotle about in the difference between necessity 
um, um, possibility and impossibility. Um, and of course, everything in the future is possible. Well, some things are necessary and some things are impossible, like fire must always burn, snow must always um, be cold, but uh, so much involving human activities is what we call contingent, could go one way or the other. Um, but uh, he argues that man still has control, partly because the, the, the stars, um, which are having effects on the sub world, they too have souls. So the human soul has its correspondence, as it were, um, or its um, colleague um, in, uh, um, in, in determining the future, in, um, in the souls of the planets. They are um, ensouled creatures as well. Mm -hmm. They're not just uh, um, spheres of um, of flaming fire, you know. Um, it's such a lively vision of the universe. It's like all the universe is a creation of life. Kind of a machine. Yes, and uh, this, I mean, the, uh, the other, another controversial part of astrology, um, which is sometimes added to astrology, um, you could say it's a different tradition from the mathematical astrology um, originating from the Greeks, um, is the belief in um, the spirits of the planets and that one can actually take control, and this is verging on magic now, you can take control of the future by having under your control what we call in Arabic the Ruchaniyat, in Latin usually just the spiritus, um, who are, uh, reside in the planets. Um, and so there are a whole lot of prayers to um, entice them to do your will, um, to become your servants. Um, and, um, and this also involves um, fumigation, um, i.e. using incense and wearing special clothes and um, saying special prayers. And this is not necessary for astrology, but there's an, another tradition which is, of course, more um, criticized because it seems to be going against worshipping God or Allah um, or Elohim um, uh, or Yahweh. And, um, 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 and it involves, uh, that indeed does involve um, more of the belief in the religious sense of belief. Mm -hmm. um, so, but purists, as it were, um, disregard uh, or avoid um, this entirely because astrology in itself, as a science, can affect um, the improvement of society mm -hmm. um, and the development of the individual. So the, the way you describe astrology, it, it, it looks more like a spectrum of, it's a knowledge with a spectrum that can either go more for the mathematical pure side or more for the magical side. So astrology is like more like a kind of a spectrum. You mentioned several uh, traditions and um, so one of them is the one that has to do more with magic. 
but apparently, and if you disagree, we will. Mm -hmm. we will mm -hmm. uh, it, it looks like more like a spectrum of possibilities. On the one side is more the mathematical astrology. Mm -hmm. The other side is more the magical astrology. Yeah. There's yeah. no there's no separation in between. <laughs> well, um, yes, I mean um, when I start to talk about talismans, I can talk about this in more detail. Yes. But um, there are so many different ways of talking uh, talking to the stars. Let's say. Um, um, but I can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but um, there are some people in the Arabic world, in the Islamic world, and in the West um, who are particularly interested in the mathematics, um, who want to know, um, for example, about the precession of the equinoxes, and just how, how, um, how much um, over hundreds of years, um, the um, position of the equinox, which used to be in the first degree of the constellation of Aries, has um, moved back into Pisces, and now, of course, we are in the age of Aquarius, so it's moved over 30 degrees since the age of Hipparchus, so two or three hundred centuries before Christ. Um, and uh, this is something that you can work out very mathematically, uh, especially if you have, uh, if you compare present observations of the positions of the stars and, and the planets uh, with those recorded in previous uh, centuries. Um, and I mean, you could be interested in that for its own sake. Um, but even that is of interest or practical interest because you can then say, um, and I've been reading about this recently. Um, well, are we going to follow when we are making our astrological predictions the actual position of the constellations in the heaven, um, i.e., their positions as a result of the shift caused by the precession of the equinoxes, um, or are we going to stick to? the tradition of the first, the, the equinox occurring in the first degree of Aries. Um, um, because this, it's always been important that Aries should be the beginning of spring, um, um, uh, that, uh, that cancer should be the beginning of, beginning of summer and that sort of thing. Um, and there was a way around this by saying, well, you know, what we see, I mean, this is, almost general knowledge in the Middle Ages, what we see is only an appearance. Mm -hmm. What is true lies beyond that appearance. And whilst the visible signs of the constellations uh, um, are actually moving, shifting one degree every hundred years or 66 years, um, the true signs of the zodiac remain where they've always been. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, one can fix, well, fixate maybe um, on the ma mathematical reality um, depending on um, observation um, or one can fix on what is beyond reality mm. one might say this is more of a platonic way of looking at things that the true Aries is um, beyond what we can actually see um, and to derive 
um, reality, the reality around us, um, as being a kind of model, an image um, um, of what is beyond the sight of man. And that's where being a sapiens is, uh, becomes important again, because the wise man can look beyond reality. And simple appearances. Oh, simple appearances. Yes, I mean reality. He can, he can, he can achieve. Yes, he can understand reality, but beyond simple appearances. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, changing a bit of subject, you mentioned twice Abu Masar as one of the main sources, and indeed as one of the main sources for several reasons. Not only because you wrote a very big book, but also the contents of the book. Uh, could you? Um, Could you mention any other authors that you think, we all know their names, but which other authors apart from Abu Masar do you think are more influential when it comes to um, bringing astrology to Christianity, to Europe? Uh, what, in your opinion, are the most influential authors? And the, the reason I ask this is that um, each author has a specific view of astrology, although they have many things in common, but the way they were, the, the way their work was translated and the way their, their work was disseminated would be uh, the mark that persists until today. Their ideas, even though uh, they were changed in the Renaissance and 17th century, but the, the concepts that were uh, disseminated mm -hmm. through translation were the ones that uh, Uh, created mm. the foundation of European astrology. Yes, the methodologies. <laughs> the methodology. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, <laughs> there are many, um, uh, and e even starting with Abu Mahshar, I mean, the Great Introduction is a, a very long book, but it doesn't cover the whole of the subject. No. In particular, it doesn't tell you how to do things. Uh, maybe it, that was the oral tradition. <laughs> well, well, no, there were, I mean, there were, um, for example, um, um, tables, astronomical tables, which enabled you, um, through their instructions, very detailed instructions, they enabled you to predict exactly where, well, where a planet, any planet, would be at any date in the future. Um, or in the past, you know, um, and uh, so that was one practical man manual, and there were other practical manuals um, on specific branches of astrology. You mentioned inceptions there, um, which I, which is a part of elections, what I call elections. Um, you have this very important um, um, branch called interrogations, um uh where you're told where the the precise moment that a question is asked by the client um you must take a chart of that moment and from the chart of that moment um you can answer his question um you have of course the nativities the, the birth horoscopes which we've mentioned before and for each of these subjects you have important um textbooks as it were um which tell you how to do things which Abumasha doesn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so you have a range of authors, people like Umar ibn al-Farouk um, Khan, you have Masha Allah, you have um, Sahel ibn Bisha, or Zahel as he was called in the West, who wrote about all these um, um, branches of astrology. Abraham ibn Ezra, mm -hmm. um, he also wrote about all these branches and told 
his Jewish audience how to practice astrology. Um, so you have on the one hand um, the, the theoretical manuals, you might say, of Ptolemy's Tetrabiblos, which remained very important, um, and it became even more important when it was accompanied by um, a very detailed commentary um, called, um, by some called Ali ibn Ridwan. Um, you have um, well the theoretical manuals, as I say, and you have the practical manuals. Um, and when you're talking about the practical practical manuals, if you're looking at astrology, the practice of astrology in 13th century, for example, um, it is dependent on um, the lively tradition of the Alphonsine tables, uh, which became very popular in Paris at any rate in the early, sorry, I should say early 14th century, they were actually drawn up um, in um, Seville by Alfonso uh, Sabio in the third quarter of the 13th century. But here we have um, um, authoritative, dependent, uh, dependable, and indeed mathematically accurate astrono astronomical tables which enabled you to um, set up your charts, your um, astrological charts. Um, then you had maybe Al-Kabitsius, Al-Kabisi in Arabic, um, who gave you um, um, all the doctrine that you needed to know. So it's not as detailed as Abu Mashra, but it was a book that you should have by you. Um, at, and, and indeed, it was used in the universities to teach astrology. Mm -hmm. um, you then had um, um, well, modern works, as it were, works newly composed, um, which suited the, um, the audiences or the students of the time. Um, uh, and I could give you a list of those, but um, those changed, of course, from century mm -hmm. to century. Um, so you have, indeed, um, I think my colleague David Just in his account of um, all the astrological textbooks of the Middle Ages and counts about 500 of them. I mean, there's an enormous lot of literature. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it dominates, it predominates over uh, most of the other sciences. Partly because, I mean, something like exact mathematics was a niche subject, really. Only a few people really wanted to study mathematics, but, uh, um, but astrology had a very large audience. Yes, one of the interesting and fascinating things is that when we see um, a text on astrology, like the one uh, we have both uh, addressed in, our, in my PhD, um, the, the author mentions all the sources and there are many sources and every time they uh, write something they interpret something they mention three or four or five sources mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. they, they go back to the sources to to validate their work to validate their work that's true yes 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 and uh, well another criticism of astrology maybe is that um, these later works are just a tissue of quotations from other from <laughs> other works, you know. um, there are certain people, Abraham Ibn Ezra, writing in Hebrew, um, but his works were translated several times into Latin, so he was well known. He was quite an, a self-opinionated man, and he said, "I don't believe this. I don't believe this. You must do it. You must do things in this way, you know." Um, and so there were some who um, did assert their own personality, as it were, 
their own views. Um, but so much of um, astrology in the man that you were studying, for example, uh, Elena Simon Bell, um, consists largely of quotations of earlier astrologers. Um, and if you're looking for the time in which um, astrology was invented, as it were, that people were creating um, um, what they wrote, um, you've got to go right back into the Arabs, amongst the Arabs, amongst the Greeks, even amongst the Mesopotamians. Um, when this changes, um, I mean, you if you look in um, the time of Ficino and Pico della Mirandola, for example, mm -hmm. you see people actually saying things, original things, um, either um, embracing and continuing the astrological tradition or, uh, or criticizing it. Um, and Ficino, of course, is well known for his prayers to the planets. I mean, he, um, in, in a way, I mean, his ideas, his astrological ideas were verging on that side we mentioned of, of uh, the, the spiritual side, if you like, um, um, uh, rather than the mathematical side. Um, but of course, he was a doctor and, um, and he was concerned about how to cure, how to um, well, the, in his day, Peter Triplisky, um, to uh, to improve oneself, um, to heal oneself through the stars. Um, so, I mean, there were people, especially in the Renaissance, who started to say things which were quite creative and new uh, in the field of astrology. Um, but for most of the history of astrology, it was a case of um, quoting uh, your predecessors um, adapting their works to the present, the needs of the present day, um, um, but always, as we said before, showing through quotations and so on and, uh, and citations of authorities that this is a science which is very um, valid because it always has been. Okay. And Professor, may I ask? Do you have any translation pro uh, research in progress? Do you uh, do you intend to trans new, do any other large translation? Well, um, that's a good question. Um, unfortunately, my colleague uh, Keiji Yamamoto um, died two years ago, and uh, so we were not um, immediately able to. Uh, not able to continue to work together, obviously. Um, but the great introduction to astrology is only one of three enormous works by Abu Masha. Um, we, Yamamoto and myself, also produced this called this work called the Kitab Dubal Wa Milal. This his book on um, in well called in Latin on the great conjunctions, uh, which is on historical astrology, how to apply astrology to human history, whether in the past or in the future. Um, and that is uh, the same size as the great introduction to astrology. But then there's a third book, which is even larger, um, which is about the revolution of the nativities, as it's called, which addresses the subject of anniversary horoscopes, um, which were the bread and butter for so many astrologers, because the client, 
would come once a year um, to have his chart taken. And that chart, uh, through comparing that chart, the birthday chart, with the chart which was taken at his birth, you could predict um, and advise on um, uh, what the client would be doing and what he should be doing or she should be doing um, through the following year. So, um, so the subject of um, anniversary horoscopes or the revolution of the nativities, as Abu Masha calls it, was very important. And this big book remains to be edited uh, in Arabic and in the Latin translation. Um, and then um, there's another book, a shorter book, in fact, um, on the revolution of the years of the world, which is a similar thing, but starts predicting what's going to happen during the year from the uh, entry of the sun into Aries. I mean, the, um, the traditional um, um, date of the equinox, the spring equinox. Um, so uh, there's there's no uh, no end to what um, one might actually edit and translate. Yeah. And I would like also to to ask you something, uh, which is a topic that I've I've been interesting uh, interested in in the last um, years, which is these works that we've been talking about and these large translations. These works are works in the field of what you can say, more scholarly version of astrology, where there is a mathematical, um, the interpretation is supported by mathematical study, uh, a learned version of astrology. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if in your studies and in your translations, have you ever uh, encountered um, a, a simpler version which would be applied at a different level or a less knowledgeable version of astrology or do you notice uh, in your studies no. that a, 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 some kind of shift between a erudite uh, version of astrology such as these and a more popular version even in, in medieval times or in ancient times? Well, there were always more popular versions, yes, yes. Um, one more popular version is what we call, um, or the texts belonging to the Alcandreana, um, which do not involve looking at the positions of the stars or recording the positions of the stars at all. Um, but simply, I mean, what, one, one of the doctrines, or the practical doctrines of the Alcandreana, is simply to turn um, the... Um, letters of your name into numbers mm -hmm. and do a, do a little bit of calculation with those numbers uh, and predicting various things from those numbers. Um, it's a kind of imitation of astrology because you are talking about making a horoscope, you are talking about a birth, a date of birth, but you are deriving that entirely from simple calculations using the letters of your name. Um, and then there are ob observations, I mean, what we call the Lunaria or the zodial Zodiologia, um, where you look at the, um, the position of the moon at the beginning of the month, determine mm -hmm. what's going to happen in the month, or you, or you simply take the lunar month and, uh, and say on the first day of the month you must do such and such, on the second day of the month you must do such and such, and, um, or uh, the same thing with the zodiologia where you're looking at the moon in each of the signs of the zodiac and what that might tell you. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, the common man, an ordinary person, can very easily use these techniques. And I'm sure they exist um, in other cultures too. Um, so, um, so there's no uh, 
um, let's say the, the common man, the common man and woman, is not excluded from astrology, from actually practicing, um, but it's not quite uh, the same thing as you know knowing your um, uh, having been through a, uh, what might have been um, a system of apprenticeship. In fact, you worked with an, a more experienced astrologer, um, and in that way you became an expert yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, because if we're talking about this kind of, of, of techniques, this kind of methodologies, you would need to have a, um, a considerable amount of mathematical, astronomical, yeah. and even instrumental knowledge in order to simply calculate the chart. There, there would yes, yes. Well, of course, uh, the basis of this um, is texts. And so, you know, you've got to be a learned person in order to read the, the Latin texts, <laughs> which would have been used in Europe. Um, and, and they're not easy, you know. Uh, you, you, you've really got to be quite an expert in order to understand um, uh, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say in this context? Because we could stay here. Yes. <laughs> it will be a pleasure. But um, um, I think maybe we could address uh, what, um, what, in your perspective, are the major challenges for the history of astrology today? Because we are like in the middle of... Uh, there are lots of works that were already translated, uh, people have all sorts of ideas and opinions. So, uh, in your perspective, what would be uh, the major challenge challenges for historians of astrology and for the history of astrology today? And for for a researcher coming into Research, the study yes. and being interested in, in studying the subject, what what are you, is your opinion on this? What is your advice? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from <laughs> run, <laughs> so, many, so many things that can be done. Um, uh, I think, um, well, as I, I probably could uh, mention that uh, Luis here um, is looking at how astrology um, was taught by the Jesuits in the 17th century. Um, and uh, so much more could be done about you know, the actual position of astrology in teaching programs um, and to what extent this... Um, strengthens or um, appears to be in contrast to the religious views of the teachers uh, or of the institution where the uh, where astrology is taught. Um, um, one, well, an interesting thing that a colleague of mine is, is proposing is to look at how the Jesuits, again, um, used uh, mathematics, including astrology, um, uh, as part of their missionary propaganda when they were prop when they were in Japan in the uh, late 16th and early 17th century um, uh, and um, there's so much that can be done about you know one might say well astrology should have been regarded as being um, an out-of-date and uh, uh, subject and something of the past but in fact it was so important um, in the missionary um, activities uh, to the Far East, but also in Latin America. And quite a lot of some interesting work is being done now um, um, about um, 
the establishment of um, astrology as part of the political um, system in Peru and in Mexico, um, and how, in fact, quite early on when the printing press was um, set up in both of these countries, because these were the pioneers in the printing press in the, um, in, in the New World, um, how astrological books were part of that program, um, that early program of printing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, then, um, um, well, I, I think uh, one interesting thing is, uh, is just to show uh, and the continuity of um, attitudes towards astrology, not only you know, from antiquity to the end of the 17th century, when it was a single canvas, as it were, mm -hmm. and, but also how that extended into the 18th, 19th, 20th, and indeed into the 21st century. Um, and I'm reminded of the work of um, well, another PhD student at the Warburg Institute, uh, who thought that, you know, the stars have to, uh, human beings always thought that they, well, all, every aspect of God's creation had to have a purpose. And if the stars were not actually acting, um, doing something for us, um, then maybe they were doing something for the little people who lived on them. So he was showing how in certain um, in certain aspects, um, astrology morphed into the belief of extraterrestrials. Um, but this idea, you know, this persistent idea that, you know, um, not only that stars have souls, I mean, that is an interesting idea to pursue, and which is very much part of the Platonic idea, or Neoplatonic idea, you might say, um, of the conveyance of um, of um, um, activity from the soul mover and the unmoved mover um, through the intellects, through the souls and so on until um, until it had an effect on things on the earth. But not only that stars had souls, but that stars had to be there for a purpose. Um, and um, and maybe that has morphed into in the present or in the 20th century um, into the idea that we human beings must actually go and inhabit the stars. <laughs> there, the, the moon is there, Mars is there for us to go and visit it. Mm -hmm. And perhaps in, at some future date, um, it will prove to have been useful for mankind to have established colonies on the, star, the planets that are closest to us. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think mm. in this wonderful, um, optimistic and uh, open note uh, I think we will end our mm -hmm. interview yes. yeah. okay well thank you uh, thank you very thank much you very for much for, for uh, being our first interview of this series it was uh, lovely <laughs> and um, thank you we'll see you again. Hey. right yes yes <laughs>